are listening to BC Museum Portraits, and I'm project manager Spencer Stewart. In this episode, we'll be speaking with president of the Katza Historical Society, Pat Foster, as well as museum manager Lynn Engerstrom. Pat, Lynn, thank you for sitting down with me today and, and talking about the, uh, the Katza Station Museum and Archives. How did you get involved with museums and specifically to do with the Station Museum? I was on council and I retired in 2005, but before that I'd been appointed to the museum board as a representative of the town council. And uh, I've stayed here ever since. And I volunteer now and I'm the president and have been for about 18 years. I grew up here, but I didn't really learn a lot about the history. As I got older, I got interested, and I got Lynn Bowen's book, Those Lake People. I decided to come in. Barb Simpkins was the original curator. She was here for 30 years. 20, yeah, 30 years. Yeah. I decided to come in and volunteer. And then you've been with us four uh, years? Eight years volunteering manager? and about four years or so as manager. Yeah. Almost five. The history of the museum, how did it come to be? Who were some of the people involved in those early years? And, and what was the nature of the collection at that point? There was a town councillor involved, and there was some really strong community-minded old-timers, like uh, Bill Grossleg. Trevor Green was a big uh, one. Yeah, his Trevor and Yvonne played a lead role, yeah. for sure, mm-hmm. and in developing this museum and the history. And they were really interested in the logging industry, mostly and sawmills. He was a wonderful was, writer. We've got a book yeah. of his that his son did with his writings in because he used to write for the newspaper. Right. And Grosslegs and Ken Irving were lead were, leaders mm-hmm. in putting it together and Bill Gross owned a logging company. Right. And uh, so uh, some, it's interesting because his son came in just the other day because yeah. Bill Grossleg passed away years ago but the son his mother passed away just two months ago and came in and said to us, do we want some of these photographs? We're hoping some of them are from Gross Lake Logging because we don't have much history of the Gross Lake Logging Camp. And he offered us a table that's eight feet long with benches that came out of the cookhouse, cookhouse? Uh, yeah. at Camp 6, which is up at Kaikus. Yeah. So we're really excited about getting that. So mm-hmm. anytime like, something like that yeah. comes in, he's offered to come in and sit down with Lynn and go through the photographs so we get a clear history of the photos. Mm. A lot of the dishes and things that you saw in the dining room and in the kitchen and that came from the Greens. The Green family were one of the first settlers. Trevor's son, Tony, still runs Green's Cabins down at, on Greendale Road, named after them. Trevor Green's mother used to keep diaries and journals, so we have her stuff and her little cookbook written out in hand by mm-hmm. hand. So there's archival stuff and artifacts that he got. Knowing a lot of people in town, and he went to a lot of them and asked them to go through their attics, anything they weren't using. That was the beginning of the pioneer display. And once the word got out, people started bringing stuff in uh, from their families, from their history that they brought in they wanted to have in the museum. The museum itself has been at the station for how how long? The museum opened in 1985, Mm -hmm. but they actually started the society in 75. So they worked on getting the building because the trains had yeah. stopped rolling Looking through the buildings. They had to move the train station from over there just a few feet over to here, mm-hmm. and that was a big job. They had to fill it in because this was all swampland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the community came uh, with their dump trucks and their gravel, and it was all done by the community, yeah. filled it in. 
Did they have to fill it in mm -hmm. enough to the 200-year floodplain yeah. level? A few of our current members were involved in that. Dawn was here then, yeah. and Danny, mm -hmm. and Danny's sister who just passed away a little while ago. Yeah. We have photos of all of them in their, the work crew around. Yeah. What is the museum strong in? Which stories are well represented? It was originally intended to be pioneer life. A lot of it is ended up being, of course, about logging, because yeah. that's what yeah. most people lived off. And we still get people bringing in logging photos. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can recognize it as a train station, and then they see the trains out, they come in expecting trains, and then they see all the logging, so they go, so is this a logging museum or a train museum? <laughs> Maybe a little of both. <laughs> it's a couch and lake museum. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it reflects the history of the yeah. couch and lake area, for sure. Mm -hmm. How do you develop the collections? Do people come and donate materials? Yeah. How is it developed over Mostly passive, yeah. Although this IWA collection now, which is being sorted and filed and done by museum standards by Henry, who's a PhD student at UBC, he's going to be back in January. Yeah. He did all of this. He loves this collection. Yeah. He loves it here. So we're trying to look for funding to keep him because he, he would be then be our archivist. IWA is International Woodworkers Association of America. They, uh, International Woodworkers of America. It does not exist technically anymore. It's part of the United Steelworkers mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was taken so, over by them. And the United Steelworkers yeah. didn't want this stuff anymore. Yeah. So what happened was at their head office in Vancouver, one of their people went into this room and saw all these papers in big heaps in the room. It was left for the custodians to get rid of and burn. Mm -hmm. Now, we'd written a letter to head office before asking for that collection. Norm knew that and so he boxed them up and he and John Mountain who worked also at the head office or Vancouver headquarters for steel workers, they rented a cube van and brought it here for us yeah. in 340 plus boxes. And they're going to Port Alberni to collect some of their stuff. They now have all the membership files in uh, boxes over there already that just came in. So there's mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of information. Mm -hmm. And photographs to, to the moon and back. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, what are some stories that, that you know of but feel are not represented in the collection but you would like to gather more material? Well, people talk about the Hillcrest Lumber Company. They had a lot of Japanese and East Indian. They manifest Stone. I'm trying to think of his first name oh, now. Mr. Stone? Yeah. We'll just say Mr. because it starts with H but I cannot think of it. <clears throat> anyway, he when he had his mill in Sapland. He had actually built then a Sikh temple for the East Indian group. So they moved that to, to Misachi and then they had a group of Japanese. They had a small temple there mm -hmm. too, but there weren't that many people who were here back then who we could get the history of that. One of the things I would like to strive for in the future is making younger adults aware of the importance of keeping their history yeah. and bringing it to the museum. When they don't want to use yeah. something anymore in their business or in their lives, yeah. to make sure the museum has it with the story. Yeah. We are still getting things from younger people, it's still mm. pictures and archival. Mm -hmm. and, and the parents pass away and they clean out yeah. the house and they bring stuff in, which is what's happening with Roger. Yeah. But they did go through some pictures and keep some. And then town photos, because mm. they were here mm. in this town for quite a while. The Gross Lake used to have the town council meetings in his house, which yeah. is on the main road here. Mm -hmm. And he used to be a councillor. And the, he was the first. Was he the Reeve? Yeah. What are some changes that you're seeing in the community? I think the newcomers to the area. 
There's a lot of people moving into our area now. They've discovered Lake Cowichan. It's changing the area. Yeah. They're very involved in the community. Mm-hmm. There's several I can think of that are really involved in, like Honeymoon Bay, Dick Orman and his wife. They put on projects. They're doing the Christmas breakfast for the kids and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They do a huge Christmas a dinner every year. I like their story and have the history of their story in our museum as well. Mm. Um, with, with your exhibitions, how do you go about building your exhibitions? We try to come up with a theme based on a lot of our existing artifacts. Yeah. And then we have two other places that are strictly photos. If they're having an anniversary or there's a special event going on and we look for any historical photos we have at that event and they go on there with a little bit of a story. Mm. Mm. And that's what we usually take our ideas from, is mm-hmm. the community, what's going on in the community at the time, or sometimes things that people constantly ask about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Has the collection been made use of in uh, independent research projects for publications? The Lynn Bowen book I was talking about, she did a lot of her research, of course, here. She gives mention to Barb Simpkins, our curator at the time. Since I've been here, there's been a lot of personal stuff, people wanting to know. Not too many books. Al used a lot of our information yes. when he did the book on connections with the World War II. Raleigh Gunderson used to do a newspaper article. Right. She's made, doing a book with the articles. She did research every week at the museum yeah. for those articles. Right. The Citizen still has a um, reporter that does historical stories about the Cowton Lake area. Yeah. And uh, she comes in every once in a while and goes through our archives to find things. Yeah. What are some hopes and aspirations for the museum moving forward? And, and maybe what are some of the challenges that are in the way of achieving those aims? One of the biggest challenges for me is mostly history that people have now is on their cell phones. How do you store that? How do you keep that as part of your history? Because it's a valuable part of a history. It's a big problem for museums. How do you collect that? We are working towards hopefully digitizing, getting our photographs. We want to get them where people can see what we have, but in a way that they can't copy them without permission. The people, they always assume we've got a picture for everything in the Gowson Lake area, or we've got a map for everything, or we've got information. No, we collect the history, but we only have what people give us. So it'd be nice to have everything digitized where people can look at it, and, and then maybe you can call ahead. And... Lynn, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and speak with me today, and, and, and all the best for the yeah. future. Thank you. This has been another BC Museum Portrait. BC Museum Portraits is done in partnership with the BC Museum Association. To hear more portraits and view the accompanying images made by project photographer Taiyu Hayward, please go to museum.bc.ca. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.